You are listening to the Sharp End Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I'm your hostess for the show. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut. Designed and developed in the Swiss Alps, Mammut has been making the finest alpine equipment since the 1860s. Driven by a continuous quest for innovation, Mammut's technical clothing, footwear, climbing gear, avalanche safety, and alpine equipment are distinguished by the highest quality, functionality, and safety. They embody Swiss technology and perfection. Mammut, absolute alpine. Thank you to the Colorado Hour Bound School and Health IQ for being contributing sponsors of the show. So I have some exciting news. Um, I'm selling and moving out of my bus. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been here for five years and it's been really fun and I just, I'm looking for a new adventure and, um, but the crackling and the popping in the background, that's my wood stove keeping me warm out here, five miles from the Canadian border, 35 miles from Haines. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to share that with you and because this has been a really big part of my life, um, and it's just time for a change for me. But I, I was able to get this interview with this gentleman um, in my bus. So this is quite possibly the last interview that you'll hear me recording um, in my short bus in Alaska. So I hope you enjoy. And I'd like to welcome Greg Smith to the show. So Greg, welcome. And can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. My name is Greg Smith. Uh, I... Uh... I'm a guy in his mid-50s uh, from, uh, well, I live in Chicago, Illinois now, and um, started climbing uh, back in about 2009, and, um, you know, I fell in love with it. I really got into it and uh, pursued it pretty vigorously since then. Um, and this accident that you were involved in, Greg, um, when, when did it happen? Uh, February 7th, 2017. Okay. And where did it happen? It was in uh, Red Rock Canyon, uh, just west of Las Vegas, Calico Hills area. Have you climbed there before? Um, yeah, I had at that point for um, uh, probably two or three years, I, I'd spent anywhere between two and four weeks uh, climbing out there. Very cool. What's What's been your favorite climb in Red Rocks, Greg? Uh, I would have to say um, I I absolutely love Cat in the Hat. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a it's a five or six pitch on the Mescalito, and um, it's just cool. It's you know it's a pretty climb. It, it's gorgeous, and it has so many amazing features. Yeah, it's just it's you know it's just kind of you know it's trippy, and it's got some nice exposure. It's got it's got everything you want, and um, and also for me, you know, I'm pretty conservative about what I will, um, I was pretty conservative about, about what I would get on outside. And, you know, it's a, that's a pretty straightforward, easy climb. Yeah. So I loved it. Good. Well, um, cool. So, so here you are February of 2017 and, uh, go ahead and tell us, tell us what happened from the very beginning. Okay. We were, um, We've been out there about a week, uh, my partner Paul and I, and um, oh, we were we were 
we were going to take a take a kind of easy day. I think we had rested the day before, and we still it was windy, and you know the weather wasn't real comfortable. Um, so we just wanted to take an easy day and stay close to the ground and and stay somewhere that was kind of protected from the wind. And so we find a found a you know nice spot in uh, Calico Hills, did some climbing, and then um, wandered over to. Um, Dickey's Cliff, it's called. And uh, we were going to go up a, a route called um, Guys and Ghouls, which was a route that I um, I originally climbed it um, in 2014 as part of the um, American Alpine Institute uh, Intensive Intro to Rock uh, course. So I've been up it before. I, I considered it, I, I figured, you know, it's one pitch. It's well within my ability. This will be nice. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, that's really, I kind of remember climbing a little bit at, at Cowlick Crag and then kind of having a plan to go over to Guys and Ghouls and climb that. Um, <laughs> then a lot of things happen. And, uh, you know, the next thing I really remember the next memories I have uh, probably were weeks later in some hospital or something. But um, I have put together kind of what happened. Um, so started up the route. I, I was leading the first. Well, it's one pitch. So um, I was leading. I think the book has it as, a, you know, a five, six plus and And the comments on... Um, mountain project they point out that you know about there's a spot about 20 30 feet off the deck where that it's it's maybe a little sandbagged and awkward and it might you know it might work its way up to a five seven but it's it's right around in there okay um so yeah i took off um and uh put my first piece in about 15 feet up it was a um, 0.4 black diamond camelot, and then um, there's a above that there's a there's a little roof, maybe about a two foot roof. You got to go over. It's more of a bulge than a roof. Um, so I got above that and um, got to got to the point where it's sandbagged and awkward, and uh, apparently difficult to protect. And um, I was. You know, I was 10 feet above my piece at this point. And given that that piece was 15 feet off the deck, you know, with with um, slack and rope stretch, that's getting pretty close to looking at hitting the deck if you if you drop. So um, uh, Paul says that I hadn't put another piece in up to that point because there's just he didn't think there there was any available protection. Uh, I have heard from other people that, that there is, but it's, you know, it's kind of hard to find in any event. Um, you know, there I was uh, 10 feet above my last piece, um, which, uh, you know, I, anytime I've gone above my last piece like that, I've been, you know, 110% sure that whatever moves I was making, I could make. So really no idea what happened. I, uh, my, 
working theory is I stepped on a banana peel up there and I came off and um, got, you know, Paul, Paul made the catch. Um, then the piece pulled and then I dropped farther. Now I think I smacked my head on that roof on the way down and just ragdolled the rest of the way anyway. Um, and then, you know, I, I, Dropped off, smacked the ground, um, and, uh, I, you know, broke my skull in seven places and my brain was bleeding. And But that was the only broken bones. I had no other spinal injuries or anything like that. I did have the only uh, the other injury I had was a um, uh, it's a degloving injury on my uh, my right glute which is a pretty gnarly injury. So what's, what's degloving? <laughs> it, it's um, so degloving is where the surface layer uh, of your, of your skin, the dura um, undergoes a, a shearing force on top. It doesn't uh, break the skin, but it's a sudden shearing force um, which which you would experience when you get caught in your harness or something, you get a pulling, and and the shearing force is so uh, is sufficient that it it um, it actually tears the the top layer, the dura, away from the underlying uh, uh, material, the fascia, the muscles. It, it, so it rips fascia, it rips muscles, it rips nerves, it rips blood vessels, whatever's in there. And, and what I ended up with was some nerve damage and um, some muscle damage to the piriformis and um, a massive subdural hematoma uh, on my right butt. It was really, it had a funny lumpy shape for a while and everything. It was, it's gnarly. Wow. And you think that was caused yeah. by your harness? Um, I, you know, I don't know. It was either the, the, the catch in the harness or, um, it was from just striking the ground and experiencing a shearing force when I struck the ground. So, you know, they, um, some other people were around and, um, uh, folks called the, called the rescue people. They came, brought the helicopter got me out of there to the intensive care unit and, and um, did some time there, then got a plane ride back to Chicago three, four weeks later, spent some time in a Chicago hospital, got let out of there, spent some time in outpatient rehab a few weeks, and then, um, yeah, moved on. So, uh, it's still with me. It it takes a long time to heal, mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, it's going to be fine. It just takes forever. And then, what about the other? Your head, your skull. Your you said seven seven fractures in your skull. Seven fractures. Um, there are two types of brain bleeding, uh, basically, that you can have. Um, there's subarachnoid which has nothing to, to do with spiders, but it, that's what it's called. Um, and intraparenchymal, which is inside the tissue. And I had both of those kind of bleeding. 
Um, so blood was, you know, coming out of my ears and nose as the guys were waiting for the helicopter to get me. Um, technically, what happens to your brain, and that's a traumatic brain injury, um, it's the same as if you have a stroke. It's just a different way, a mechanical way of um, interrupting the blood flow to parts of your brain. You know, a stroke, one of your um, blood vessels fails because of an ischemic attack, is what the docs call it. In my case, it didn't fail because of an ischemic attack. It failed because I was banging my head on rocks and breaking my skull. But it's the same, it's the same thing as a, as a stroke. So, yeah, technically, like some of my medical records um, actually say mild stroke. But, um, you know, my neurosurgeon, he always... He always referred to it as a um, traumatic brain injury. So mm -hmm. it's one of those things. Yeah. Um, you don't remember anything from, you know, from starting the day on February 7, 2017 to three weeks later? Um, not really. I remember like, like snapshots from the hospital. I'll remember somebody's kind of head uh, just floating above me, but that's about it. Um, the thing is, my brain, um, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, it's to-do list during a lot of that time, it, you know, was, was kind of limited such that um, preserving short and midterm memory just didn't make the list very often. It was more like things like heartbeat, heartbeat, breathe, breathe check body temperature, you know? Um, so yeah, as a consequence, I don't have much memory of that, of, of much of that, um, <laughs> which is good because by all reports, um, <laughs> during my, uh, the, the people in the ICU, I think kind of remember me as far as I can tell, um, I was kind of an asshole in there. So you know, there's that, you know, I mean, I got there. I, I wouldn't tell them, uh, my name uh, on my hospital, my intake records. The, the name is, uh, Rochester Hills, <laughs> which is a, a little town in Michigan, not far from where I went to college. Um, you know, I, I, um, and, and here's the safety tip. Don't do this. If they put in, um, if you're in a hospital and they put in, um, if they stick like things like uh, IVs in you and a like a feeding tube or, a, you know, uh, a, a, one of those catheters, um, it's just word to the wise. Don't go ripping those out. You, you just hurt yourself. <laughs> I tore out every IV they put in. So they, you know, they restrained me on the bed. Um, but they didn't, they didn't, uh, restrain my feet. So the Foley catheter, I was able to pull out with my feet. Um, which I, I'm told that was quite an episode, like a lot of blood and stuff, but but and that's, know, and um, that's, but that doesn't sound like you. So, you think that was that, that personality that was coming out at the hospital was a result of the TBI? 
Yeah, I think I think what happens is, you know, um, you you you're just under so much stress, and you get um, you get kind of um, regressed back to, um, you know, almost infancy, or um, I was more like, you know, just basically a toddler. It's just that's what happens, you know. Your your brain kind of gets um, it shuts a lot of itself down so that it can, you know, go to work on repairing and rewiring. And, uh, yeah, personality wise, <laughs> you become a piece of work. Wow. I mean, the folks in the ICU, they're used to that kind of thing, but, um, uh, the stories I have heard, I, I mean, they're cute and entertaining, but they're also kind of a trip. Mm. So, yeah. so Greg, can you tell me what, what did you learn from this? Like, what do you want people to, they want you, you want them to listen to the show and then what do you want them to get out of it? <laughs> um, well, besides the thing about the catheters and the IVs, um, climbing wise, here are the, here are the big takeaways for me. Um, one, you know, buy that helmet pack it along, take it, put it on your head, use a helmet. Can't say that, you know, it's mainly for rock fall, you know, but sometimes it does something more. And I can, I can promise you, I, I have heard from more than one qualified medical personnel that, you know, if I hadn't had a helmet on, I'd probably be a, you know, a can of ashes on the shelf somewhere. So that's number one. Can't emphasize that strongly enough. Number two is, um, you know, it's kind of the golden rule of, of trad leading. And that is, you know, make sure you get those two pieces in between you and the deck, between you and the ground or you and a ledge you could hit, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be up there, make sure you get two pieces between you and that, so that if, so that if one does pull, you know you've got another one. I, I guess that's the reason. That's kind of a that's that's a big item. So those are really the what I would boil it down to um, as far as takeaways go. You know, I every, we all everybody who leads and plugs gear, you know, I, I'll guarantee. We, you know, we come in violation of that rule um, sometimes when, especially when we are looking up, like I'm sure I was, and we know, we absolutely know that, you know, I can see the ledge where there's a place to rest, there's another place to place gear, and um, I know that I can make it there. No question in my mind, 110% sure I can make those moves. So... I'm going to go ahead and make them. We have all done that. I, I, I suspect. Um, and, you know, sometimes, um, and usually that's fine, but if something goes wrong that, that, you know, you weren't expecting, which is kind of the definition of things going wrong. Um, you can really pay a, you can pay a pretty heavy price. Right. Well, you're lucky to be alive. 
Uh, yes. Uh, you know, you are in very good company. Uh, I have heard that quite a few times, and uh, I agree with you. Are you still struggling with, you know, memory loss or any sort of brain um, limitations? Um, I would say no, not really. I mean, I, um, I, I, I go to the climbing gym in Chicago with, with my daughter, uh, uh, once, once a week ish. Um, you know, I, I, I can work out. I, uh, I can walk my dogs. I can play my piano and my guitar. I can read, I can talk. Um, when I, when I first got home, you know, I, I, uh, just to check the the very you know the mental processes you're talking about um <laughs> i i was out walking the dogs and i to make sure that you know to kind of check on how my brain was working i sang them uh all six verses of uh, american pie and got through that no problem and um so you know um i i i i came out of it um I've been pretty fortunate in my in my recovery, I would say. Mm. How old's your daughter? She is twenty nine. Twenty nine. I bet that was hard yeah. for her to see her dad in the hospital for that long. Yeah, um, and and to be honest with you, I, I would say the single most difficult part of this entire ordeal was seeing and knowing that um, uh, the, the stress and difficulty and pain that I put uh, some people through. That was hard. Mm -hmm. Do you want to say anything to those That was the hardest right part. The only thing I, I, you know, really want to say is, I love you. <laughs> yeah, that's the big thing to say. And, um, you know, and to, and to all the people, and, and there's so many people who have reached out and cared about me and, and loved me, um, I just can't say thank you enough and thank you Greg um, thanks for the bravery and for the courage to share your experience with us and thank you to all of the responders that helped rescue Greg thanks to the American Alpine Club for supporting me throughout this project if you are not a member yet please consider signing up. Check out the Sharp Ends website for more pictures and more information on each episode. Simply Google the Sharp End podcast. Thanks to Mammut for being the headlining sponsor. And thank you to the Colorado Hour Bound School and Health IQ for being contributing sponsors. The Colorado Hour Bound School has been changing lives through challenge and discovery for more than 55 years. They offer wilderness expeditions in Colorado, Utah, 
Arizona, Alaska, and Ecuador. Courses range in 8 to 81 days in length for ages 12 plus and include backpacking, rock climbing, rafting, canyoneering, and mountaineering. Visit www.cobs.org to plan your next adventure. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like us. Climbers, alpinists, skiers, runners, cyclists, strength trainers, and more. So to see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com backslash sharp, or mention the promo code sharp when you talk to a Health IQ agent. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, play hard and be smart.